On Point with Craig's Investment Partners. The information provided here is general in nature. It's not financial advice. It doesn't take into account your financial situation, objectives, goals, or risk tolerance. All investments are subject to risks and none are guaranteed. So before you make any investment decisions, we recommend you contact an investment advisor. For more information about our services in that regard, you can go to our website, which is craigsip.com. Welcome to On Point. I'm Mark Lister, Investment Director at Craig's Investment Partners, and I'll be talking about a range of topics, including economics, portfolio strategy, investor education, and anything else that's happening out there in financial markets. Hi, everyone. Hope you're enjoying this final stretch as we push ahead towards the end of the calendar year. Financial markets certainly are. It was another very good week for investors last week. Shares and fixed income both performing well and pushing higher. We had the S&P 500 in the US up 0.2%, so that saw the index finish at its highest level since March 2022, more than 20 months ago. European shares were up 1.3%, the UK market rose about a third of a percent, and the Aussie market had a very strong week with a 1.7% increase. Lots of sectors did well across the Tasman. Uh, Resources and mining companies performed well. Santos, uh, the energy company, a bit of corporate activity surrounding that business, so it performed well. The real estate stocks also had a good week in Australia. The local market was not quite as strong as Australia, but it was certainly better than most. We were up another 1.1%. That's the NZX50 index rising to that level. Uh, Not only was that the sixth week in a row, that we've been up, which is the longest winning streak in more than a year, actually, six weeks in a row. But that saw the NZX50 index move back into marginally positive territory on a year-to-date basis. Only just, but better to be slightly up than in negative territory, which is where we've been sitting for the last few months. And for a while there, it was looking like we might have our third consecutive calendar year of being down. Uh, hopefully that's not the case. And so far, so good, because just with a few weeks to go, uh, we're up again, which is fantastic. Uh, interest rates were little changed during the week. We had the 10-year US Treasury yield slightly higher at about 4.23%. Uh, The New Zealand five-year swap rate slipped back a little, slipped from 4.8 to 4.7. So bonds performing well as uh, investors price in the potential for easing from some central banks next year, which is keeping those interest rates down. And we've also had more good news on the inflation front. So the NZX investment grade corporate bond index is up 5.2% in 2023. So much better than... The share market has performed, it's up 0.2, so 5.2 is pretty good. We've seen international bonds also perform well uh, lately. And the local uh, fixed income market is actually on track for its best year in three uh, because New Zealand corporate bonds were down last year and down the previous year. So uh, we're, we're set to be up again, which is, is great. Oil prices continued to decline last week as well. US crude was down another almost 4% last week. So it finished at just over 71 US dollars a barrel, went down into the 60s uh, through, through the middle of the week. Prices now at a five month low at the lowest since early July and down almost 25% from the highs that we reached in late September 
Looking back at the key releases, it was the US jobs report that was the big one. A little stronger than expected, but not so much stronger that you've got people worrying about the Federal Reserve having to raise interest rates again. So it did did hit the sweet spot, uh, strong enough, but not too strong. 199,000 jobs created during the month. It was a little bit above forecast, but in line with the average of the previous six months. And the headline unemployment rate unexpectedly fell from 3.9 to 3.7. So people were expecting it to just go sideways. At 3.9, it came down to 3.7. So that, that's the lowest in three months, but it's still above that April uh, that April low um, of 3.4%, which was the lowest in 54 years, lowest since 1969. Um, wage growth, a little stronger than expected too, but only marginally. Average hourly earnings rose 0.4% for the month, and on an annual basis, uh, average hourly earnings grew 4%. 4.0%, that's the lowest since the middle of 2021, which is good news. And I guess when you think about that uh, that labour market and that labour force uh, report, uh, a lot of people look at, and we've talked about it here in these sessions, I think the SAM rule, which uh, Claudia SAM came up with that. She was an economist at the Federal Reserve. And uh, the SAM rule is, is an indicator that you can use to pinpoint when the recession starts. And uh, she came up with it not as a predictor, but it was um, so that they could be more proactive about getting stimulus checks to people that needed them. So it was about pinpointing when that recessionary period had started. But um, the way you calculate the SAM rule is you take the, the three-month average of the unemployment rate and her, her rule that she, she came up with was to compare where you're at at the moment uh, to the lowest point of the last 12 months. And when you see a, a rise of half a percent, that is usually a signal that a recession is upon you. And at the moment, the three-month average is 3.8% and the lowest of that three-month average over the last 12 months is 3.5%. So 3.8 minus 3.5, you're at 0.3. You're not quite at that trigger, the trigger being half percent. So the fact that uh, the unemployment rate came down a little bit is is a positive in the sense that based on uh, Claudia Sam's very reliable indicator for has a recession started or has it not, um, where we've still got a bit of breathing space. So, so far, so good. You know, maybe the Fed is going to do the unimaginable and pull off a soft landing. You know, that would be amazing. So we will wait and see. Uh, also, when you look at those average hourly earnings figures, um, even though it's 4% on a year-on-year basis, if you take the um, three-month average uh, and then annualise that, uh, you're you're actually in the sort of mid threes, so that's coming down nicely too. So the jobs report wasn't bad; it uh, hit the sweet spot. Um, last week, also the RBA, the Reserve Bank of Australia, had its last meeting of the year. They left rates unchanged at four point three five percent. That's the highest since two thousand eleven, but uh, they seem to be uh, on hold. Um, you, you never know. Uh, there is some chance of them moving again, and markets are pricing about a 10% chance of one more hike. 
from the RBA. That's higher than many other central banks around the world, but it has declined quite a bit lately because you've seen inflation figures come down. So uh, no change on that front. And locally, the the only key release was really another dairy auction. And it was good. Prices rose 1.6%. So that's actually the biggest rise in three auctions. And it comes on the back of two quite marginal but still two consecutive declines so we've got one one auction to go for this year in a couple of weeks time and dairy prices are down about five and a half percent this calendar year but that's in US dollar terms and obviously since we have had the Kiwi dollar fall about three and a half percent against the US dollar that offsets um, those declines to some degree. Fonterra's milk price forecast has a midpoint at the moment of $7.25. And if that comes to fruition, that will be the lowest in four years. However, bear in mind the last two have been cracker years, but still the lowest in four. Uh, I think there is some chance we'll see it actually revise a little bit higher than that because we have had a decent rally in dairy prices over the last few months. So cross your fingers and hope for the sake of uh, one of our biggest export commodity sectors uh, that we actually end up sort of in the in the mid or even in the in the high sevens. That would be much more pleasing. Right, looking ahead, it is a super busy week. Lots going on. Um, Central banks will be in focus and the key one will be the Federal Reserve in the United States. This is their last meeting of 2023. It's a two-day meeting, Tuesday, Wednesday, and the outcome will be announced at 8am on Thursday, New Zealand time. Uh, And that will be followed by a press conference with Fed Chair Jerome Powell. This meeting will also be important because it will see the release of a new summary of economic projections, ECP, which is sort of their forecast set. It's the equivalent of our monetary policy statement in some ways, not quite, but you know, it's a new forecast set. uh, And that'll be the first one that we've received since mid-September. And, you know, a lot can happen in two, two and a half months in financial markets. No one expects the Fed to change their interest rates. Their policy rate is at 5.5%. It's the same as ours. Uh, for them, it's the highest since 2001. So they never got that high uh, in the pre-GFC period. Uh, our central bank obviously got a lot higher than 5.5% during that period. But in the US, this is the highest in more than two decades. Most people see it as the peak for the cycle. And um, the the market is pricing in cuts to the uh, the Fed funds rate within six months. So you know, in that sort of you know March April May or March or May zone, I think then when that's when the meetings are. But it's sort of you know in the early to middle stages of next year. And looking out the entire calendar year of 2024, there is at least one of cuts or thereabout priced in over that period. So uh, the market at the moment sees the Fed funds rate as falling from five and a half to four and a half, you know, over the next 12 months. So uh, there has been some good progress made on the inflation front, but we'll, we'll just have to keep an eye on how the Fed's forecasts have changed. They might be a little uncomfortable with the market being so keen to price in you know, rate cuts, they might not like that in the same way that uh, Governor Orr didn't like that when it came to um, uh, the Reserve Bank uh, the other week. So, you know, how how aggressively will they make the effort to pour cold water on those hopes um, looking forward? That'll be the key thing. So that is Thursday uh, morning. 
Uh, a day before that, we'll get the latest CPI report out of the US, the latest consumer price index. And this will cover November. Uh, we're all hopeful that some of the recent progress will continue. Um, the headline CPI expected to be unchanged from the month before, uh, and the core CPI expected to rise 0.3%. So in terms of the annual inflation rates, that would see the headline inflation rate slow to 3.1, which will be just above um, where it fell to in June. You know, it fell to a two-year low in June of 3.0. Then it sort of went up again. Now it's sort of coming back down. So it's been in those sort of low threes for the last um, four or five months. So 3.1, that will be good. We're getting there. Uh, the core CPI, which excludes uh, food and energy, that's that's expected to be unchanged at 4% in terms of the annual rate. And that will be the lowest since September 2021, so a little over two years ago. So uh, that, that CPI report is, is Tuesday in the US. That'll come out, you know, for it'll be Wednesday for us. It's basically 24 hours before uh, the Fed decision. So that will be interesting. Those will be the highlights in the United States. Also, a few other central banks meeting, uh, including the Bank of England and the European Central Bank. They are both on Thursday evening. So we'll get the Fed first thing in the morning and then overnight that night you'll get the, the Bank of England and the ECB. Uh, no change expected from either, uh, same as the Fed. So it's meant to be expected to be a week of on holds, just like we saw with the Reserve Bank of Australia last week, just like we saw with the Reserve Bank of New Zealand the previous week. So the Bank of England is at five and a quarter. That's their highest since 2008. Uh, they increased it at 14 consecutive meetings. Uh, and then they paused in December and, and that's where they're at. The market sees them as having reached the top and that the next move will be down. May and June seen, seen as the most likely timing and three or the equivalent of three 0.25% rate cuts are priced in uh, for the calendar year next year. Um, then you have the ECB, uh, which will also be that um, that evening, Thursday evening. Their key policy rate sitting at 4%, the highest since the introduction of the euro in 1999. It was last increased in September, and that was the 10th consecutive increase uh, since, since they moved out of that negative interest rate territory in the middle of uh, 2022. Uh, there's seen some good progress on inflation. You know, annual inflation fell to 2.4% in November, which is really low, isn't it? That's the lowest since uh, mid-2021, uh, especially when you remember that it went as high as almost 11% last year. So uh, like others, the markets see the ECB starting to cut interest rates in March or April next year. So you're kind of seeing a theme, aren't you? Uh, whether it's a Reserve Bank of New Zealand, whether it's the Federal Reserve, Bank of England, European Central Bank, even the Australian Central Bank, which has been the one that is... Um, not the odd one out, but if there was any of all of those that still had some work to do, it would be the Aussie uh, Reserve Bank. But even there, markets are, are pricing in you know, a cut by the end of next year. So uh, financial markets are, are, very, are very comfortable uh, that central banks are at the top and that the next move from most of them is down. It's just a matter of... Um, you know, watching and waiting and seeing when that sort of first cut comes, whether it comes as early as markets are hoping or whether um, whether it doesn't. And uh, we'll wait and see what those three central banks say this week in terms of their thoughts. Uh, flash PMIs for December will be out. So these will give us a good 
uh, indicator of how economic activity is tracking. PMIs obviously stand for purchasing managers indices. These will cover the month of December. Uh, they're out a little bit earlier than they usually would be. They're out um, uh, sort of a week or so earlier, and that's just because of Christmas and so forth. So uh, they'll, they'll all be out on Friday, get the Aussie one on Friday, 11 o'clock. Uh, Japan follows after lunch at half past one, and then you get the US, the UK, and Europe after that. Last month's readings were a bit of a mixed bag. You know, most readings, most regions uh, a little subdued, but there was some some good signs in there. The US stronger than most, uh, but still signs of a slowdown. Um, cost pressures continuing to soften. That was good. The Aussie PMI pretty weak, slowed to the the lowest that we've seen in the eight year history of that survey outside of lockdowns. Uh, Europe below break even. For the six months in a row, and the UK, you know, sort of, sort of stagnant. Um, sorry, Japan was stagnant. The UK was marginally in positive territory for the first time um, in a few months. So, you know, slow down everywhere really, uh, with the US sitting there and looking the strongest. Um, China will release some monthly indicators on Friday as well at three o'clock. So we'll get the PMIs from all of those other regions, and because the Chinese PMIs come out later. Um, we won't get those, but we will get some other economic indicators, fixed asset investment, retail sales, industrial production. And here in New Zealand, the highlights will be GDP for the September quarter, which is out at 10.45 a.m. on Thursday. Sort of old news. You know, it's December now, and this will be a report that covers July, August, September. So it's kind of old news. Uh, GDP is important because that's tells us how the economy is doing and what economic growth is doing uh, and that's important because it flows through to corporate earnings and profitability and so forth but you know we've already heard from a bunch of companies uh, about how things went for them in that period so uh, the likes of Ryman Healthcare, Fisher and Paykel Healthcare, Main Freight, plenty of others they've already reported uh, their their profits and so forth for that period so we kind of already know so it's sort of old news um, and it also doesn't tell us a lot about what is happening when we look ahead. You know, Things like the business surveys and the confidence surveys are much more useful indicators of what's coming. This is quite backward looking, but it will still be widely followed and widely monitored. And uh, when we look back at the previous quarter, the June quarter, that was much stronger than expected. Uh, and the services industries seem to be the ones that were performing uh, particularly well. So the Reserve Bank uh, for the September quarter, for what's out this week, the Reserve Bank is expecting an increase of 0.9%. Uh, the economists and the, the economic community are a bit more down, downbeat. They've only got 0.2%. Uh, in terms of the consensus expectation, so that will be that will be out on Thursday morning. We should also get one final housing market report from for the year uh, from the Real Estate Institute. So when will that be out? Uh, I haven't got a firm day. I'm, I'm guessing it's probably Thursday. Could be Friday, uh, Thursday or Friday. But that will cover the month of November. Be the last release of the year, and um, I, I'm expecting more of the same. You know, last last month's report provided further evidence the market was improving, prices continuing to rebound, activity solid. Uh, you'd hope activity is 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 improving sort of as as the weather gets better. 
um, and obviously with uh, a government now in place and more clarity on the policy backdrop, which is definitely more favourable for the housing market than, than what we had in place before under the previous government, uh, we'll, we'll be watching for evidence of um, more optimism on that front. Across the Tasman, um, obviously with the RBA last week, but Michelle Bullock, the Governor of the Reserve Bank of Australia, will speak on Tuesday at a function in Sydney, so we'll be watching her comments. Maybe we'll learn something that we didn't didn't learn last week, get some more information. Uh, and the monthly unemployment report is also out across the Tasman on Thursday. On the on the corporate front, uh, what's happening on the corporate front? Not not a lot. A couple of AGMs here in New Zealand, Helen Stein Glass and Napier Port. Uh, in Australia, a couple of banks holding AGMs, uh, Westpac and National Australia Bank. Uh, National Australia Bank, owner of BNZ here in New Zealand, and internationally, Oracle reporting a result on Monday, uh, Adobe on Wednesday. That's probably the the one I'll be watching most closely, Adobe on Wednesday, Costco as well. Uh, always interesting, Costco on Thursday. And forgot to mention earlier, but the Bank of Japan um, and the yen worth watching. There were some comments um, out of the Bank of Japan last week, I think it was in a media interview, that did allude to the potential for um, uh, monetary policy to tighten a little bit. You know, we've, we've talked before in this forum about how the Bank of Japan is very much out of step with others around the world, they still have negative interest rates in place and everyone else has aggressively increased interest rates. And, you know, now the question is, you know, when do they sort of cut? But the Bank of Japan is uh, is, is out of sync for a range of reasons. So for them, the next moves are probably to raise interest rates and to tighten monetary policy and uh, loosen their yield curve control policies even further. They've got one more meeting this year. I think it's next week. So uh, they were in the news last week because of the comments that were made in this um, interview or this speech, uh, and that saw the yen uh, rise quite strongly against other currencies because um, if if you're going to have tighter monetary policy and potentially higher interest rates, that usually pushes your currency up relative to others. So uh, we'll be keeping an eye on what's happening and, and what we're hearing out of Japan as well as we look ahead, uh, look ahead to that final Bank of Japan meeting of the year. And that's been a stunning market, actually. Uh, the Japanese share market has... Uh, been fantastic this year. It's actually been stronger even than uh, the US. And if you bear with me, I'll tell you just how much. So I get my I get my story straight. But uh, yeah, the Nikkei two two five up, you know, twenty four percent almost this year. Uh, not in New Zealand dollar terms because the yen has been um, weak. But if that's if that's going to turn around on the currency front, then that's something else that we'll be watching um, in terms of our considerations for the Japanese equity market, which has been one of the stars of 2023. Okay, that's all. Uh, we will leave it there. Uh, enjoy your week and we'll talk again soon. For more insights, visit craigsip.com.